John chapter 8, verse 32. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Maybe you thought that it was the music that made us free a while ago. Well, the music and the worship and the singing helped us, but that just reminded us of why we're free. It was truth that set us free from sin. It was truth that delivered us from the bondage of habits that we could not break on our own. Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth will make you free. You may be seated. Well, you might notice that we're talking about anchors this month. And we realize what anchors do. An anchor is something that holds an object firmly in place. If you're at sea, an anchor keeps you from drifting. If you're a ship at sea, there are currents and waves and storms. You know you need to drop an anchor to keep you stable on an otherwise shifting environment. And in our culture, there are a lot of winds. The Bible calls it winds of doctrine. There are a lot of currents of contemporary cultural thinking that are always affecting every one of us. Believe it or not, temperature on the outside of the church does affect the temperature on the inside. We are being bombarded with all kinds of winds and currents of thinking. And that's why we need to drop anchors in our life to keep us from drifting away from God. This past Wednesday night, our midweek Bible study, I spoke about the anchor of trust. Job said, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. He had an understanding that God loved him, was at work in his life, And no matter what God allowed in his life, Job said, I will trust him no matter what. Job trusted the nature of God. Job trusted the word of God that was not yet written. He said, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Job's anchor of trust was rooted in an anchor of truth. And that's what I want to talk to you about today, the anchor of truth. Now, Jesus, when he went before the Roman governor Pilate, when he was being tried before his crucifixion, he was talking to Pilate, and Pilate said, Are you a king? And Jesus ignored that question, but said, For this cause came I into the world to bear witness of the truth. And Pilate asked Jesus the question, What is truth? What is truth? Jesus said, I came to bear witness to this. And everyone that obeys the truth, that hears the truth, obeys my voice. He was kind of implying to Pilate, are you hearing my voice? Are you of the truth or are you not? What in the world is truth? That's a question that every one of us need to ask and answer in order to have an anchor to keep us from drifting. I don't know if Pilate was trying to dodge the penetrating words of Jesus, if it was a cynical question or a sincere question, but what is truth? Pilate would say, I don't find any fault in Jesus Christ, but I need to know what truth really is. 
by truth, by definition, truth is something that is factual. It's reality. In the Old Testament, the word for truth means a reality that is firm or certain. In the Bible, the legal definition of truth would be authentic facts that can be verified. The Bible said in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. If you were bringing a witness against someone who had broken the law, you needed two or three witnesses so that by those two or three witnesses, every word could be verified or established. Truth is something that can stand the test of time that can be verified. Now, truth proceeds from the nature of God, was embodied in the person of Jesus Christ. And when you receive the Holy Spirit, you receive the spirit of truth that comes into your life. God created the world and then He created man and He created the laws by which our universe operates and by which you and I should lead our lives. As a loving creator, God knows what is best for us and the Bible says that the way of the transgressor is hard. If you go against God's laws, you place yourself in peril because God's laws are absolute. Now in our world, we have what we know as the laws of physics. Anybody ever heard of the law of gravity? We all have. Gravitational law. Sir Isaac Newton taught us that. You know, whatever really happened with the apple that fell out of the tree, it kind of put him on to something, and we understand that that law is true. But what if you just said, I don't like the law of gravity. I don't believe the law of gravity. And so just to prove that the law of gravity is a bunch of baloney, I'm going to climb on the top of this church about 24 or 25 feet. I'm going to jump up off this church. I am not jumping down because I do not believe the law of gravity. Now, we all know that no matter how much you say, whatever you want to say against gravity and how big and bad and tough you are, when you jump off the roof, you're jumping down because you on planet Earth are subject to the law of gravity. What if you said, well, I've heard of that old law of inertia, but I don't like the law of inertia that emotion, an object at rest remains at rest and an object in motion tends to remain in motion and at the same speed unless it's op- uh, affected by some opposing force. Now you just say, I'm sick and tired of the law of inertia. Nobody's going to tell me what to do. When I leave, leave church today, it doesn't matter to me if the light is red or green at Mount Vernon. I'm going to race up to that spot or to the next stop sign I come to, and I'm going to wait till I get right at the stop sign or right at the red light before I apply the brakes. I'm tired of having to, to work with this law of inertia. And you can have the biggest attitude in the world, and you can talk as tough as you want to talk, but when you come racing up to the stop sign or the red light, you will find a law that is at work in your life, whether you like it or not, and the law of inertia will cause an object in motion to remain in motion, and your brakes may operate against that force, but it's not going to stop you instantly. It never has, and it never will. Gravity and inertia, we accept that. You know, that's just the way it is. And we work within those laws of physics, so we kind of keep ourselves safe in life. Well, I want to help you understand God's laws. God's laws are not like the speeding sign that's posted down the road. That if you speed, you may or may not pay a price. You may not be going fast enough to roll your vehicle on a curve. There may be no police officer shooting radar there, and you may not get a ticket. 
But every time you violate a law of God, it is, it is more critical than disobeying a law of physics or a law of nature. When Pilate said, what is truth? Let's suppose he was sincere. He looked at all the religious Jews around him who pounded the pulpit and said they had truth. But he watched how they had corrupted the religion of the day and there was so much that was wrong with religion that Pilate could kind of genuinely ask, what is truth? Pilate worked for the Roman government. He was a governor. But he knew the corruption in the Roman system. So he could probably say with a little hint of sarcasm, what in the world is truth anyway? What is truth? But Jesus would say, I have come into the world to be a witness to truth. And everybody that loves God listens to my voice. If you are of the truth, you listen to me. What is truth? In Jesus' day, the same was true as it was back in the days of Isaiah, that truth was falling in the street. I feel like that's where we are in 2017 that judgment has gone backward, that truth has fallen in the street, that what used to be right is now called wrong, and what has always been known as wrong has been called right. Somehow man thinks that he can reverse the laws of God without consequence, but we are facing dire consequences in our lives. In John 17, Jesus talked about the nature of truth. Let me just share a few scriptures with you about truth. Jesus said, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall never pass away. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. The apostle Peter wrote, that knowing this first, that no scripture, no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God wrote as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. The word of God that is our Bible was not scribbled down by 40 men over a period of 1,500 years by the will of man, but God Almighty inspired Every word in the original language is he breathed his word into them just as he breathed life into us. And the Bible is a reliable book. Amen. Woe to them, Isaiah said, that call evil good and, and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. That's a dangerous place to be. Now, I want to dig into Romans chapter 1 for a few minutes. And I want you to show you something about your relationship of truth that is very important to you and your future, both in time and in eternity. The Apostle Paul told us that from the creation of the world, the invisible things of God are seen in creation. There are some things that we cannot see about God. God is invisible. But He created a visible world... And we can know a lot about God by what He created. That He is a God of order. He is a God of beauty. He is a God of sophistication. He's a God of diversity. In everything He created, He created everything that is in the universe 
for His glory and He created it with order. And we can know God in a general sense by what we see in creation. But Paul said when people who didn't even have a Bible, they were pagan people, when they knew God through creation, they didn't glorify God, neither were they thankful, they became vain in their imaginations. And then something really tragic happened. The Bible said their foolish heart was darkened. Instead of being able to see truth clearly, instead of having understanding about right and wrong, now darkness began to cloud their mind so that they cannot discern right from wrong or truth from error. Their foolish heart was darkened. Paul said that they professed themselves to be wise and they became fools through philosophy and education, through science of their day. They thought that they had outgrown God, that they knew more than the Bible knew or what they saw in creation. And they professed that they were infinitely wise and they became fools. Then it affected their practice. You know, it's amazing how philosophy affects life. And in the Old Testament, when people turned against God, it always degenerated into immoral practices. I mean, Moses is on the mountain and, and Aaron makes a golden calf. And they're not just worshiping the golden calf as the God that brought him out of Egypt, but they're doing all kind of lewd and vile things. They immediately plunge into immorality, idolatry, worshiping something other than the true God always lends itself and leads to immorality, always has, always will. They change the glory of God into idols and they worship them. And the Bible said that the Lord gave them up to uncleanness and the lust of their heart and they dishonor their bodies among themselves. That's what's happened when you reduce the role of God in your life. The Bible said that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, but when you reject God, you have no place to go but to foolishness. Now I want you to see this next verse. Romans 1.25 on our wonderful screens. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Four times in this passage, Paul talks about how men, women, change what was authentic for what was counterfeit. Paul tells us what happens in verse 26. Because they rejected God, were thankful to Him, God gave them up to vile passions. And look at what happened. For even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. Everybody say against nature. There is the way we were made. That is the nature of the way God made us. And there is behavior that is against nature. It is not just against trees and birds and flowers. Not that kind of nature. But our nature. The nature of the way God created every one of us. And Paul tells further what happened. Likewise, the men leaving the natural use of the woman burned in their lust one for another men with men committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error which was due now the bible all through the old testament condemns this type of behavior what we would call homosexual behavior paul 
name sin in this chapter and in the book of First or Second Corinthians, but he doesn't really so much name it here for the sake of talking about what, a, what type of sin it is. But he is arguing especially from nature that when you reject truth, you exchange the genuine or the authentic for a counterfeit. You change what is real for what is unreal. You change what is natural for what is unnatural. You change what is God's purpose into something that is perverted and it happens every time people begin to reject truth. Now, not everyone goes to this place of moral degeneration, but it is typical of a society away from God. It was that way in Sodom and Gomorrah. It is that way in 2017. Unless you think I'm being hard on this type of sin, I am just preaching the Bible today. But as people who love God, okay, I'm just preaching the Bible. But as people who love God, we should love every person who is in sin, regardless of the type of sin, whether it is some immoral behavior or it is self-righteousness that looks down his nose at everybody else. We love people because God loved people. <clears throat> he died for their sins, and it is our business to bring them into a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. But listen, it does no good to condone what God condemns, thinking that we can override the judgment of God, and because we would excuse behavior that God has said is inexcusable, that will not stand that person in good stead in the judgment. The worst thing that we could do as God-fearing people is to say that it's okay to do what God said would send you to hell. So we are here to say that Jesus will forgive you, Jesus will change your nature. Jesus will bring you back to him. He will restore what he originally created in your life. Amen. It is, it is a sin that Paul describes that exchanges the authentic for the counterfeit. In the beginning, God said... Be fruitful and multiply. That only happens in a heterosexual relationship. And so the counterfeit always robs us of God's promise and God's plan. So I'm here today preaching through what Paul said when we reject the truth and embrace a lie. Let me read you. I don't usually quote from a commentary on Sunday. The New International Commentary explains it like this, that homosexuality is a forsaking of a natural relationship instituted according to the purpose of the Creator. In other words, for procreation or multiplying and bringing people into life. And it, it trades it for an unnatural relationship which reverses the Creator's purpose. Homosexuality changes something originally oriented to the opposite sex as a complement and inverts it to itself, thus perverting the created order. Like all sin, it is a disorientation that leads to confusion. So in our culture and in that culture, dishonoring God results in disordering of human life. 
when you dishonor God, it changes everything for you. The Old Testament strongly condemned all sin, but it deals specifically with homosexuality. But it's interesting to read that when Paul writes this to Roman Christians, that they don't have a Jewish background. They are people that have come to God out of a pagan Gentile world. And in their culture, way back then when the Bible was written, in the Greek culture, they tolerated and even approved homosexual sin, especially between men. So when Paul wrote this letter, he was going counter to the culture. But God's ways are always counter to sin, always have been, always will be. So I want to tell you today that you shall know the truth and the truth will make you free. It will make you free from wrong ideas. It will make you free from sin in your life. Amen. Paul said that there was a high price to pay, that they received in their own bodies the recompense or the consequences of that sin. Now, he also writes in the book of 2 Thessalonians about the nature of truth and the nature of a lie. See, what you do with truth is vitally important to you. Paul said there's one that is coming that's called the lawless one, the, the man of sin. We call him the Antichrist. Anti, you know, against Christ. He is everything that Jesus is not. But he's going to come, Paul said with lying wonders and powers and signs. And and there will be people who will embrace an anti-Christ because he'll come with deception among people who perish because they did not receive a love of the truth that they may be saved. The Lord said, I give you truth and you can accept it or reject it. If you accept it, You know, the Bible said if you walk in the light as he is in the light, if you keep coming to truth, you come closer to God and the favor and blessing of God is on your life. But these people, they are deceived because they did not receive a love of the truth that they might be saved. I want you to see 2 Thessalonians 2.11. This is very critical to this message. And for this reason... Because they did not receive a love of the truth, the Bible said that God will send them strong delusion that they would believe a lie, that they all might be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Now here's a choice. You can believe the truth or you can believe the lie. You can love the truth or you will love a lie. Now when Satan comes into your life, He's a deceiver and he will try to twist the word of God to make you believe and accept and practice things that are against the word of God. And when you fall into temptation and the deception of Satan, then you commit sin against God's word and against the way you were created against your nature. But there's something that happens when you reject truth. The Bible said that God will send them strong delusion. He offered you truth and you said no and didn't love the truth. 
So now God walks into our lives when we reject truth and he gives us something else. He gives us a spirit of delusion. It comes from God to people who will not do what they know is right and it blinds their minds to truth so that they not only cannot see it, it is impossible for them to know the truth. God causes them to believe a lie and be condemned. Here's what I want to say to every one of us today. Your relationship and my relationship with truth is the most important thing in my life because when God confronts me with truth, it may offend me, it may be something that I'm doing that I need to stop doing, but I have a choice. I can either love the truth, obey the truth, embrace the truth, But I cannot change the truth. I can change what I believe about truth, but let God be true and every man a liar. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but God's word will never pass away. Amen. No matter what we think about truth, it stands above us. It has always been right and always will be right. My relationship, my relationship with truth determines my eternal destiny. And if I reject truth, if I just willingly say I'm willfully disobedient, and I say, no, God, no, thank you for that. I don't think I want any of that in my life. I see it right here in the Bible, but not for me. Maybe for somebody else. Well, all of a sudden, you've just rejected the truth of the word of God. And the Bible said when people did not receive a love of the truth, that God sent them delusions so they couldn't believe truth. You ever wonder why people that used to love and know truth, all of a sudden, you know, not all of a sudden, over a period of time, they no longer get it. What they used to believe was right, they now say is not true any longer. Well, truth didn't change. What changed is their ability to perceive truth. Their foolish heart is darkened. God sends delusions so that they cannot understand the truth because they've obviously rejected not just a Bible or religious dogma, they have rejected God himself in the person of Jesus Christ. I don't want my foolish heart to be darkened. You say, well, you know, you Pentecostals, that's your brand and it's like Ford and Chevy or Lexus and Infinity, but, but we're not of that brand. That's not what we believe in. One day Jesus was talking to a woman and they got into quite a discussion about various things, personal and religious. And at one point in the conversation, she said to Jesus, she's really diverting his probing questions about her moral life. She'd been married five times, was living with another man out of wedlock and she was trying to dodge that with everything in her. And she said, you know, Jesus, we Samaritans, We worship in this mountain. It was Mount Gerizim. Samaritans were kind of half-breeds and and they said, we worship here. Now you Jews, you worship at that other mountain. That was Mount Zion. But, you know, you've got your religion and and we've got our religion and and that's what you believe and and this is what we believe and, and God should really just be okay with that. After all, we're going to church We're worshiping our idea of God the way we think it ought to be done and where we think it should be done. I mean, we're church people and I guess God looks down on all of us and says, you're okay and 
I'm okay and we're all equal because we have sincerity. We're all people of faith. We worship here, you worship there. We worship this way, you worship that way. Jesus didn't quite agree with her. And he said in John 4.21, on the screens, Jesus saith unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming and now it is. When you're not going to worship in this mountain or in Jerusalem, that's not how you're going to worship. But Jesus said this to her in John 4.22. You worship, you know not what. We know what we worship. Can you imagine how offensive that was? Now look, lady, I know y'all have been worshiping here at Mount Garrison for a long, long time. And you've got your liturgy and protocol and you've got your little belief system. But I just want to tell you, you don't have any idea what you're really doing. And in spite of what you believe, salvation is of the Jews. And you may call it truth, but it's your idea of truth. But truth is not what you believe it is. It is what it really is. It stands outside of you, above you, in spite of what you think about truth. Jesus said, salvation is of the Jews. How offensive to say, we're right and you're wrong. But God has always said that, let God be true and every man a liar. God has always said, you can come to truth or you can go to darkness and walk away from it. But you cannot change truth. Today, I'm trying to help you with your relationship with Jesus Christ and your relationship with truth. We need to come with an open heart and an open mind to an open Bible to let Jesus Christ reveal his truth to us. There's a lot of people that call themselves Christians, that call themselves Pentecostals, that call themselves apostolics who have their own unique brand of religion. But the Bible said that the word of God is not of any private interpretation. We will all meet one God in one judgment. We're all going to stand accountable for what we did with what the Bible said. The hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth for the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is a spirit and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. Spirit, enthusiasm, sincerity, but that's not enough. There has to be the balancing factor that we come to God according to His Word and on His terms and say, yes, Lord, from the bottom of my heart to the depths of my soul, I come to you as a sinner. I come with nothing that I can bring you but my repentance. Forgive me of my sins. Amen. Amen. You see, woman at the well who heard what could have been very offensive words. And then Jesus probed right to the bottom of it. said, you can talk religion all you want, but you know the deeper issue that's going on in your life, lady, is that there's some sin you're covering up for with your religion, with all your ideas. There's some stuff inside of you that you know is wrong by any religious belief system. And what you've really got to do is come to truth. Because Jesus said to a group of people one day, who said, we've never been in bondage to any man. The Jews, they had been bondage to the Egyptians and to the 
Babylonians and to the Persians. And while they were lying to Jesus saying that, they were in bondage to the Romans. You know, have you ever had anybody look, look right at you and look you, look you right in the eye and tell you something that was absolutely wrong? They looked at Jesus. They said, we're Abraham's children. We've never been in bondage to any man. How do you keep a straight face and say that? And Jesus said, no, you're, you're not Abraham's children or you wouldn't be rejecting me. But you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. You know, the devil always turns everything backwards and upside down. And there are people that have told you that if you really go to that altar, that Atlanta West Pentecostal church, if you ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins, if you go up and you're baptized in water in Jesus' name for the remission of sins, if you receive the Holy Spirit, that holy nature in Jesus Christ, boy, you're going to get in bondage. Yeah, that's the lie. Because the lie is to turn on its head everything that is true. Because Jesus said, when you know the truth, the truth will make you free. There's some truth that we all need to understand. That we are all sinners and come short of the glory of God. That the wages of sin is death. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We need to understand the truth of salvation. That when we turn to God from our sins and repentance, when we are baptized in water in Jesus' name, taking on His name, buried with Him by baptism, when we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit in our lives with the initial sign of speaking in a language we never learned, we have been born into the kingdom of God. And Jesus said, I am with you, but I shall be in you. He said, I'm going to send you the spirit of truth that will guide you into all truth. And when you come into truth, when you know the truth, The truth will make you free. Would you bow your heads right now, please? Lord, I I pray right now in Jesus' name that you would give us an understanding mind that the freedom and demonstration of the Spirit that we experienced earlier in this service was a direct result of men and women and young people who have been delivered from the power of darkness, set free by the Word of God and by the Spirit of God. And Lord, I pray right now for people who are wrestling with the Word of God in their life, rationalizing away clear scriptural principles. I pray in Jesus' name that you would Let light come into our lives today and let us sink an anchor of truth deep in our lives that will keep us from drifting. I pray for that in the name of Jesus Christ. And everybody said amen. If you'd look this way, please. In a moment, we're going to come and pray. We're going to come to this altar area. When I was a, uh, a young preacher, a lady in our church came to me and she said, you know, Brother John's, maybe Brother Daryl, she called me back then. She said, you know, there's a certain thing that, that she wanted to do or a behavior. I don't even remember what it is. And she said, you know, I've prayed about it. 
And I don't believe there's anything wrong with it. And I said, really? You prayed about it? She said, yes, I prayed about it. I said, well, let me ask you a question. If there's something that's clearly presented in the Bible, do you think praying about it is going to change it? What you really need to do is pray that God would give you the courage to obey it. Because prayer is subjective, just like human reasoning. At times I can pray my way into justifying almost anything. When I open the Bible and I have an open heart to truth and I allow God to let me see myself in the mirror of the Word of God, instead of trying to rationalize away what's clearly written and trying to condone behavior that the Bible clearly condemns, when I see myself in the Word of God, it brings me to repentance, asking God to forgive me. You see, it really doesn't matter how you feel about it. What matters is what God says about it. The anchor of truth will keep you from drifting. At times it will be offensive to you because it will always confront your disobedience. But if you stay anchored to the truth of the Bible, it will always keep you from drifting. Amen. When we stand, I'm going to invite you to come. And I want you to bring someone with you. I'm well aware where we were in worship and where we are now in the mirror of the Word of God. But I believe the Lord is going to set some people free today by the power of truth. Would you stand and would you begin to make your way to this altar area? Join us here. and We're going to sing and worship God. Maybe there's someone today that needs to repent of your sins. Why don't you come right now? Bring a family member with you. Bring a friend with you. If you've been attending Atlanta West for a while, checking us out, why don't you check in? Come on and join us in our pursuit of God and our open heart to the Word of God. Just keep moving to the altar if you would. Just keep coming closer and closer. Amen. That's right. Amen. Amen. I'm encouraging fathers and mothers to not cut corners on truth in your family. Lead your children to truth. Stand for truth, and truth will keep you in good standing with God. Amen. Amen. That's right. Just keep coming. Give me just a few moments for everyone to gather really close. Praise God. Now I want to invite you to talk to Jesus Christ right now and make a commitment to turn to Him with all of your heart to do whatsoever the Word of God says. Let's pray together right now. Lord, I come in Jesus' name. I pray right now, Lord God, that you would let the release of the Spirit be in this room right now. For Lord, we know that truth will make us free. So I pray, oh God, that you would set us free from the bondage of sin. Set us free from habits that we cannot break in our own power. 
Set us free from religious tradition, oh God. I pray, oh God, that you would deliver us. Someone, Lord, from the perversion of sin right now. Oh God, in Jesus' name, I pray, Lord, that you would let the Holy Ghost move in this house right now, Father. Move in this house right now, Lord. Let the word of God save, Lord. Let it not sever, I pray. In the name of Jesus.